Welcome to episode 15 of Haven of Horror. I keep saying this week to week, but mostly because I still can't believe that we're this far ahead. Milton, can you believe that we're 15 episodes in? <clears throat> okay, till we get yes. to the actual <laughs> movies, let's stop that. <laughs> okay. um, so, of course, we're going to start with announcements. The first one is, you may have noticed, but we have been re- uploading a ridiculous amount of Resident Evil content over the last week. That is because I am a crazy person, decided I wasn't satisfied with the live streams that we had archived on YouTube, so I downloaded them, chopped them up into 30-minute episodes, and I'm re-uploading them. So, Milton, we're uploading like three episodes a day, uh, three yeah, videos a day. Um, just to let you guys know, that will not be the normal. <laughs> I just no, wanted to get those all out before Village drops. John is just going in overdrive right now. Yeah, I, I just went into like an editing fury. Uh, so all of our all of our Resident Evil two, three, and seven play uh, video let's plays have been edited into episodes. I've renamed all of them because I was I didn't like the names, and they will be uploading three times a week up until Sunday, where the rest will finish uploading, and then Monday we will upload our first episode of Resident Evil Village. I'm so excited! Uh, the other announcement is Tuesday night at. Shit. Did we say 830? Um, I thought we said 9. Okay, yeah. Nine's fine. Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Milton and I will be discussing Buffy Season 2, continuing on with our uh, discussion videos on that, friend, on that show. I'm so excited that we're on Season 2. It's not my favorite, but the, act, the like, actual story in that is some of my favorite stuff. Uh, and then, of course, we will start Season 3. And if we stay on this timetable that we have hit, in two weeks we will do the Season 3 discussion, uh, which I'm really excited for Milton to see, because I'm curious to see what he thinks of that. Um, Let's see. Trying to think if there was anything else. Um, I will disclose more information next Wednesday night, but next Wednesday will be our last Wednesday night show. Uh, I have a new job starting soon, and that means I'm going to have to be up at like 6.30 in the morning. Uh, just like me. Just like Milton. And beforehand, as much as I hate to sound like a dick, Milton was the odd man out. So we had to kind of conform. He had to kind of conform to our schedule for the show. But now, you know, I'm on the same kind of schedule as he is. And with Austin not being here as much, we're looking at new times. Uh, we are thinking Saturday afternoon. That may change if Austin's on the show, because, of course, we want to accommodate him as well. Uh, but keep, stay stay tuned. You know, join the Discord, follow us on Twitter, whatever, whatever. Uh, that is where our first updates were posted. Now, enough of the, I guess, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, as you may have noticed from the title, uh, we are discussing two films. Uh, kind of a repeat of last, last week in, in quality. Kind of, to a certain degree, yeah. Yeah, um, thanks, Austin. Yeah, both, fuck. Of, both of them are involved vampires. You know, um, a real vampire kind of mood with uh, Buffy spoiler cast and these two movies now. So, well, and what's crazy is this first this first movie we're going to discuss came out just at like almost I would say almost the beginning of the peak of Buffy's popularity because this movie is from 1998, which is when season two air, was airing and then season three started. Uh, we are discussing Blade from 1998, starring Wesley Snipes. 
and Chris Christopherson. Um, yeah, so this movie is about Blade, who is the Daywalker. I believe his like real name, his human name is like Eric Brooks or something like that. I wish I'd read more of the comics before watching this movie now because I feel like I'm missing out on quite a bit. Um, See, from what I've heard, this this isn't very close to the comics at all, but I don't know for sure. Um, but this is obviously the first real successful Marvel property adapted to the big screen. It was rated R. It came out in 1998. I believe this movie was was really successful uh, at the time. Uh, but he Wesley Snipes plays Blade, who is a basically half vampire, half human. Uh, they don't come out and say that directly, but the way they describe it is he has all of their strengths and none of their weaknesses. I don't know if I would say none of their weak, like all of their strengths, when he ages as like a normal human, and they don't. But you know, whatever. That's nitpicking. Um, and he discovers that there is a plot. To summon an elder vampire god by this guy that he's been hunting, uh, Eric Frost. No, something Frost. My mind just like went blank. De- Deacon Frost. Deacon Frost. That's it. Yeah. Deacon Frost. Yeah. Uh, it's all jumbled together, and so he has to stop them with the help of his watcher, for lack of a better term, played by Chris Christopherson, uh, watcher slash adopted father figure. And a random blood specialist he happens to rescue at a hospital played by... A hematologist played by... uh, Her name is Karen Jensen. The actor's name is... um, I looked it up before and I wasn't sure how to pronounce it. In Bush, right? Right. We, We don't know how to pronounce it, so we apologize. Sorry, we're, um, we're dumb Americans. We apologize. Yeah, mostly Milton, but you know. <laughs> so, we're Milton, American. tell us tell us a little bit about your thoughts and opinions on Blade. Well, it's a movie about people being cool and wearing sunglasses indoors, but it also has a lot of great action stuff as well. It has um, Wesley Snipes plays a pretty pretty good lead. We're um we're into the late '90s, where like '90s trends, fashion and sentiments are like in full swing. Um, so we definitely get a bit of that sort of thing going on. I don't care. That's awesome. Like, yeah, it's um. There's a lot of '90s cheese in this movie, but I like it. it it's really earnest do. about its cheese. Like, yes. Okay, so not to tip my hand too early. But I have to compare this to Underworld for a second. Well, I mean, we were watching them both, so it's understandable. Yeah. So this movie embraces its cheese. Like, it relishes in it, and it knows exactly what it is. Underworld is trying so hard to be cool and, like, edgy, and it fails at every level because everything is stupid. <laughs> and we'll get into more of that later. And we'll get into I that more of that, but I just wanted to compare that because this movie is effortlessly doing what Underworld is trying so hard to do. Also, hey, Milton. Did you know that some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill? I know, right? It's it's such a problem. I don't know what that means, but it's awesome. It's, it's something about, like, you can't... It's like they're trying to do something that <laughs> they shouldn't try to be doing. Like, 
It's a very convoluted way to say. I'm going to get into the. I'm going to see who wrote this film. Uh, written by David David S. Goyer. Yeah, it's um you know same guy who did like Nick Fury, Agent of Shield. Um, he did the Dark Knight trilogy as well. Band mm-hmm. of Steel, Dawn of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and um, like a needless to say, movies. he's written a lot of comic book films. Yes, some good, some bad. He was also the co-writer of the video games Call of Duty Black Ops, Black Ops Two, Cold War, and those video games as well, which I find to be interesting. Weird. Some heads uh, for me, with Goyer, he is as good as the director that he's working with. So you range from, uh, like, The Dark Knight, because he's working with Nolan, who is a master at his craft, yeah. or was, but, I mean, that's a that's a different topic altogether. Uh, and then you also get stuff like Blade Trinity, which is just him and Ryan Reynolds goofing off for an hour and a half or two hours. Yeah, Stephen Norrington is the director for this movie, which is a, a very different flavor from Guillermo del Toro for the sequel, certainly. So I can't imagine how spelled about that. Did you look at look at his filmography? Guillermo del Toro? No, Stephen Norrington. Norrington. Stephen Norrington has done he's he's a British filmmaker, English filmmaker. He's um done like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I could Death not Machine, believe this was from and, the same guy that did that movie. Yeah, it was it's very it's very odd. I mean I could I can see a little bit of it, like a little it's hard to tell with a lot of studio pictures though, like this, where it's like it was probably a heavy input from the um, studio and not so much from like individuals like the director or the writers. Well, and let it be noted that I also don't hate League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but I haven't seen it since I was like ten. And when I was ten, it was like the coolest thing ever. I haven't um, seen the movie, but I've I've heard things about it. I've seen some of the effects. Uh, I'm sure it looks terrible now. We get um, into like l- late '90s, where like a lot of the special effects that we have are in the development stage. Star Wars Episode One has recently been released, and it's trying to push so much. And a lot of well, this was before Episode One. Um, no, Episode One was a uh, '99. Oh, you're right. Oh, you're right. It was. Sorry. I thought it was 97 for some reason. So, and this movie has a lot of that. Like, uh, there's that scene towards the end where they're summoning, uh, how do you pronounce it? La, La Tegra? La Legra? La Magra. La Magra. Sorry. I just watched, like, the rest of this this morning. I was going to watch both of these just last night, but I got an hour into Blade, and then my internet company was like, oh, we're doing maintenance. Fuck you. <laughs> Oh shoot! Yeah, so I had to watch the other half this morning, uh, but and then like the vampires like explode and those like bat creatures take their place and it looks terrible. <laughs> uh, so you get st- you get stuff like that, but you also get some really good practical effects, uh, like the guy that gets injected with the serum at the begin. Uh, it's either at the beginning or in the middle, and like he turns all red and like swells up before he explodes. That looked all right. I wish they would have kept that with some of the other injections that happened, which people like, explode from being engorged and stuff like that. I don't know. Some of the effects were inconsistent, but you do get some good stuff. Some good yeah. blood squibs every so often, some good bullet effects. Um, well, and I mean, this movie cor- has one of the greatest openings in like cinematic history. Yeah. The choreography, it's pretty, it is pretty iconic by this point. We also have plenty of good choreography, Especially fight choreography in this. Um, 
I mean, the sword fight doesn't exactly compare to the Princess Bride, but I mean, how do you get past perfection? But it still does it does its job. I I I should probably just make the confession now. I've never seen that, so one day we'll get we'll put a pin in that and we'll get back to that later. Well, I mean, we won't be doing it on this channel. It's not a horror film. No. Well, no, but I mean, we do. We we're not just this channel, guys. We we have lives. We no, I'm only this channel. Uh, but yeah, so I haven't seen this movie in years. I remember two a lot more than I did this one because I think two is one of the best like comic book films of its decade. Uh, most underrated too. Like everybody talks about Spider Man two and X Men two and things like that, but like Blade two was legitimately great. I can't wait to watch a sequel at some point. I it makes there are issues with this film. I think it's a little rough in places, but it's a good lead into the next movie. I think it makes yeah. me look forward to what's going. Well, and two two is not only a step up in just like I, I think script, but also you go from the guy who directed League of Extraordinary Gentlemen to Gamero. I always Guillermo do this. del Toro. Yeah, him, uh, and he obviously has a very big interest in vampires. And not to give it too too much away, but he creates a new race of vampires for that film in this universe. Hmm. Wait, have you never seen Blade 2? No, dude, I've never even seen Blade 1 before. This is a new experience. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm excited to get to that then. Uh, We'll have to figure out what we're going to pair with that. And that might just be one time where I just pick those two movies because I want you to see that. Three, I don't want to do three. It's just sad. Well, if we're doing one and two, we have to do three. God damn it. <laughs> you know the rules. I hope you're so. ready to see the Ryan Reynolds show for an hour and a half. <laughs> um, But anyway, uh, yeah, this movie instantly like starts out and you can just tell it sets the tone immediately. Uh, it's got this. I, it's not my style of music normally, but it's got this mm-hmm. really cool like club dance tempo. And the guy, this like, guy is like lured in there for, by a woman who obviously he's trying to get, have sex with. But and then she's, a... huh? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. But then it turns out that she's a vampire, and like blood starts pouring out from the water uh, sprinkler system, and then Blade shows up, and it's awesome. And I mean that unironically awesome. <laughs> it is. I mean, you get into nineties cheese there as well, but like towards like the very end. But aside from that, it really is a pretty cool uh, scene. It's it's very interesting to see that there is a underground club like right underneath like a you know like a a butcher shop. It's, that is very interesting, I would say. That you you have this meat locker and apparently it leads into a club downstairs, which I I don't know the logistics of that, but I don't care. Well, see, so. I'm gonna say that does make sense because that might be where they're getting the blood from. I suppose because one of the underlying themes of this movie is obviously. It's not like super deep or anything, don't get me wrong, no. but it does touch a little on classism because obviously the main antagonist, Deacon Frost, is a half-breed and he is rallying against the people who are born vampires, which I don't know how that works, by the way, uh, <laughs> uh, and trying to lead them into a new age where they're not ruled by the old, like, out-of-touch... I'm guessing vampires are reproducing with other vampires, and that's how you get pure bloods. I guess they never then, explain it. 
But then, like, why would I guess it makes sense that they would be less common than the ones that they turn considering turning people? I imagine is a lot easier, mm-hmm. a lot faster. But well, it seems like in this universe, it like because the the hematologist I probably just butchered that. Um, no, you got it right. Josh says Blade Two is a miracle. It is good. Del Toro has said he doesn't understand Blade, but wanted to prove he could do action. And also do that vampire idea he had long be- he had before getting the job. Oh, interesting! Yep. For someone who doesn't understand Blade, he made the bl- best Blade movie. Like, well, we we haven't had a lot of great competition yet. We have like this good run of movies, except for three, and then we don't really have much else other than him showing up occasionally in some animated properties, like the '90s Spider-Man. He shows up like briefly, but it's not it's not the best version of Blade that we could get. Yeah, they Marvel really hasn't capitalized on him or whoever had the rights. Because I feel like Marvel just got the rights back and that's why they're rebooting it. Yeah, we've we've been hearing for a while, like ever since a Netflix series with Daredevil, that there was like a potential Blade script in the works. And it's been happening for a while, but I guess finally we can actually get it off the ground. I guess I would prefer a Netflix-like series over like an MCU title personally. Yeah, well, I and I, I'll touch I, on that here in a in a few yeah. minutes at the end because I I definitely have thoughts on that. Um, but yeah, like I said, not super deep, but it does touch a little bit on classism, and it's obviously a almost a metaphor for like the rich versus the poor. You have like the the high breed, the pure blooded vampires, and then this half breed is rallying people against them. Yeah. Um, and if it was ever not obvious to the folks. You have the old vampires and the young vampires. And the young <laughs> vampires kill the old vampires. Do you get it? Yeah. But, of course, you got to wonder, why are vampires... Why is everyone in the Vampire Council so old? Aren't they supposed to be immortal? But No, hey, they are not. We go, we, we no. go along with the theme. No. Hang on. Because no, they explain are. this. Vampires no. in this age slowly, but they still age. Uh, Chris Christopherson has a line about it. Gotcha. I must have missed that. No, it's good. I usually, it's just would, like... I usually would think that vampires, though, would be immortal, though, because that's the general appeal, I would think. So this is take this is a this is less fantasy based and more science fiction based, because the way that they describe it and the way they portray it is this is a virus, not like an right. immortal curse, because right. Chris Christopherson's character Whistler, who is great in this movie, by the way. Uh, but he says crosses do not hurt them. Has to be silver, ste- uh, steaks, or garlic. And like he explains that garlic w- won't kill them, but it will send them into anaphylactic shock. So it's like an allergic reaction. Right. The the blood doctor lady even says it's like a virus. I can treat it if you've just been turned, but I don't know if this will how it will affect blade. Because he was turned in the womb. Yeah. So this is this isn't a classic like fa- fantasy vampire. This is very much a uh, pseudoscience science fiction vampire. Yeah. Which now that I'm thinking about it makes sense because they carry that into Blade Two a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting because they went that route. Meanwhile, you have Buffy on the air. 
because uh, all things lead back to Buffy on this channel, apparently. <laughs> yeah. uh, which is very much the old school fantasy immortal yep. demon vampire. They're definitely a lot more the demon bent, I would say, than perhaps even classic vampires are. Well, when I say classic, just all the old, you know, crosses, stakes, holy water. Right. Oh, yeah, no, I know. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then you get, and then it, it also shows in this universe, it, all it takes is one bite and the process begins. Um, and then, uh, let's see. We covered, like, the virus and everything. Uh, my mind just went, like... <laughs> It definitely does that a bit with some of the action scenes. I, I I can't imagine, like, especially in, like, the late 90s having, like, effects in action like this, especially when you're probably so starved of it. Like, well, you know, before before this movie in the Marvel lineup here, we've had uh, 1990, like, 1944 with Captain America, Howard the Duck in 1986, the Punisher in 1989, which can fill some of that action craze for comics, but doesn't do a whole lot. It's it's very, it wasn't that successful. Captain America in 1990 was, a, which is a joke of a film. Uh, the 1994 Fantastic Four, and then you finally get to Blade. It's definitely it's definitely a huge leap in action quality. I would say for comic book films. Well, and what's interesting is you mentioned earlier, you know, this is a very 90s looking film. This is also a year before The Matrix. Yeah. Like, this movie was important. Um, not only for Marvel, but just 90s films, I think, in general. Like, this set a tone. And it's a tone I kind of miss. Like, it's I like early. the MCU, but I miss the... Like, there's a... There's a there's like a grittiness like a raw, to this, yeah, like a raw, unpolished but very earnest feel to it that makes that is endearing. It's yeah, like, it's not perfect, but at least you know it allows for it to explore itself, and you can like it. Whereas you have like a lot more clean and polished and clear cut. Like this is the formula we're going to use, and we're not really going to stray from this formula too much. And it kind of gets a bit samey after a while. Not yeah. with this movie. This movie kind of goes in both directions. Gets into a bit of mess every so often. But when you it's good, else, it's good. You know what else is funny about this movie? I don't know if you were watching the credits at the beginning, but uh, this was produced. This was released by New Line Cinema. Oh, I know. Yeah, this was a Marvel movie released by Warner Brothers. I know, which is crazy, especially <laughs> <laughs> considering the Marvel versus DC thing. For any of you who are not aware, Warner Brothers is the owner of DC, which is Marvel's direct competitor in the comics and in somewhat film. Uh, so to have a, more, a Marvel movie released by the same studio that owns DC nowadays would be unheard of. Yeah, definitely. Um, eventually, I guess, the what did the rights like go to Fox? With the Blade series? Probably. I feel like Fox Fox had quite a few of those characters because they had like Daredevil. I think they were the ones with Punisher uh, and a couple others, but all they did was like pump out X-Men movies and then every like 10 years they'd try to do the Fantastic Four again. Yeah, I mean, New Line Cinema held the Blade rights all the way to Trinity. 
but of course after Trinity, I mean, who wants to use Blade anymore? Apparently, so. Well, we we will have to do an episode on Blade Trinity because that is that whole movie is fascinating just from a production standpoint. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, like this is just a really simple like action flick with a leading man that is instantly likable. Like he's not only got that cool like. I'm a badass, like, look to him, which he's great at. He's also really funny. Because uh, one of my favorite scenes is towards the beginning when he when he's rescuing the doctor lady. And the cop shoots him. And he just looks at his vest like, motherfucker, are you for real? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Josh also says uh, Captain America was also almost a Warner Brothers film. That's very true as well. That's it, fascinating. Uh, I think Warner Brothers dodged a huge bullet with that one. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, even I for the nineties, that's a bad movie. Oh, that's a it's a terrible. It's laughably bad in some cases and boring in others. Yeah, you ever want to see like Captain America just steal a car like twice? Oh, I know. Like, I've I've, I've never seen it, but I've it's one of those movies I've seen enough videos on to feel like I've seen the film. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Marvel Marvel was not doing great in the nineties, but like no. people everyone credits Spider Man uh from two thousand two for uh kind of revi- like re- revitalizing interest in the superhero films. I think that is true and I don't want to take that away from that movie. But I think people underestimate how much Blade helped. Certainly. It's probably the thing of uh, we have the rated R crowd and we have the PG thirteen crowd. And both of them are still quite a bit split during this time. So there's probably a bit of that going with the demographics of like who who's watching what. Um, yeah, because like for the that, 90s, this was a hard, like this was a rated R film. Yeah. There's enough blood in this movie to fill like three movies. And a bunch of blood that coagulates together to uh, regenerate limbs, apparently. Um, oh, that's the I other thing I love in this movie is uh, Donald Hugh. Uh, Blade just keeps beating the shit out of him the whole movie. One thing that I keep, of course, I mean, this goes into the silliness of the movie, but he just, he keeps getting, like, almost to the point of death, like, several times over. And it's like, how does Blade not kill this guy? And then he kills this guy, like, very easily at the very end. Because it's a running joke, yeah. Yeah. I, that That's fine. Like, movies do that all the time. Um, it's, it's one of the first where we could more or less like take the stakes rather uh, stakes quite seriously. Ah, get out! <laughs> get out of here with that pun. <laughs> yeah. So, but a huge, yeah. uh, this movie doesn't. Even, I, I would say this movie also does follow like a first, third, and first, second, third act structure. Oh, but definitely. what I did appreciate is, and obviously full spoilers, I mean, this movie is what, like 20 plus years old? Yeah, it, we're, we're always going to spoil these movies, guys. So yeah. Um, Whistler's death could have been handled really badly, and then it wasn't. I appreciated that we didn't turn Blade into this, like, quivering mess that's just, like, unable, does it, not sure if he's going to, if he could go on, whatever, you know, your typical superhero when somebody dies. No, he's just like I'm gonna go kill some motherfuckers. <laughs> it's like I got I got a job to do. Whistler didn't die for nothing. Films like Blade yeah. and X Men helped a lot to prove in comparison to Spider Man, which I think helped in the loud. 
Wing Blade to just be a solid film instead of relying on public perception. Carry it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but I, I am going to... Christopherson does like a great job in his role. And uh, Who? Oh, Christopherson. Yeah, it's definitely, um, it's definitely one of the better scenes in this movie, I think, especially the lead up to it. You know, he does... He doesn't just like die very quickly. He Although, very, very I, I am just gonna slightly spoil a, a scene in Blade Two for you. Uh, it gets real awkward in Blade Two because they retcon this. What? Yeah, he in in Blade Two they retcon it. He didn't kill himself. What he he missed. I don't remember now, it's been a minute, but they retcon it so that he's been turned, but he's in that, like, in-between state, like, this doc- the doctor is in this film, and so, like, the first act of the movie is rescuing Whistler, so he's back, but then it, but then it gets really dumb, okay, are you ready for this? He dies again at the beginning of the third movie. Like, I get the trope. We we have this established trope in a lot of these somewhat coming-of-age kind of movies. In some ways with the Bill Sung Roman with, like, the hero's journey of, like, the mentor dies. Like, a violent death or something like that. And that spurs the protagonist onwards. I understand it's a trope and sometimes, even to a certain extent, a bit of a cliche when it happens in superhero movies. To immediately negate that in the sequel and then to backtrack over it again... In like each movie, three is so bad, dude. Like, really stupid. Um, But yeah, so as for this movie, that I would say, in a way, this isn't a typical origin because when we meet Blade, he is already Blade. But this is very much also about him learning to be on his own because he has to, you know, learn how to function without Whistler. Yeah, but then learns to function with someone else who I guess he initially. you know, discounts. And for like uh, almost half of the film, I discounted uh, the doctor's wall because I didn't know what she was there for until she made that serum, which you can make uh, vampires explode. I was glad that they eventually did that because if if they didn't let her do anything else, I would wonder why this character's even here in this movie. So thank goodness they at least did that. Because we've where seen she, that trope, where right? Like... Actually, yeah, where she's actually able to be a hematologist because that's important. Yeah, because, I mean, we've seen that trope how many times in all kinds of media. Like, you introduce this new character who is our eyes-in character to this crazy world, but they have no reason to be there. And it's a woman, so she must be a love interest, too. And we get, like, a little bit of that, but not a whole lot, so... See, I don't think they do that at all. There's a little bit of, like, a sexual thing with, like, Blade keeps, like, when Blade starts feeding on her... Well, that more or less just goes to the trope of vampirism. Yeah, I was going to say, that should have been a vampire thing. Yeah. Um, although I do have a question about that. Can he turn people? Because she just cured herself. And unless that cure is also a vaccine, in theory, he just infected her again. But, it, you know, it's that's a gimme. It's It's fine. It's... It's just there to give Blade the power up so he can go kick more people's ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm surprised she actually manages to stay conscious after losing so much blood. And manages Not only that. She, yeah. So, if you remember, he drinks until he's at full power or whatever he stops. 
Then she immediately goes and fights a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Hey, we'll just have to move past. Yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> None of these are actual complaints because this movie from the get go is stupid. But it's the kind of stupid where you don't have to criticize it because it's fun. And the movie understands its own cheese as well. Yeah, so. it's not trying to be like the Citizen Kane of vampire films. It's not trying to be pretentious. It's just trying <laughs> to be an action movie. With like some themes here and there. And Wesley Snipes helps a lot on that. Like he is instantly just likable and he has a presence. Every I think everyone does. All all of the main players. Deacon Frost is great. Deacon Frost but, is interesting. I feel like he could have been a little bit better, but for what he's played for for this movie, he does what he needs to do to be a compelling enough villain, I think. If I had to change one thing, and this is just a personal like peeve of mine, I hate this when superhero films do it. I hate the whole I'm the bad guy and I created you thing. And we do get into that. We also get into the thing where, like, Blade's mother reappears, and that's it's so con- it's so convoluted to try to justify that sort of thing. I feel like we could have done without that, and it still would have See, been I'm, a fine movie. I'm more okay with that. Well, okay, it's complicated because I hate that we did the whole. You've been looking this whole time for your mother's killer, but I'm right here. But if we have to do the I'm your first big villain, and I'm the one who created you, the Batman Joker thing. Then it's fine that his mom is there, because they establish before she even shows up that Deacon knows everything about Blade. So if he does, and he obviously has the resources to track her down if he doesn't already know where she is, because he has the resources to take on the like vampire council, whatever you want to call it, so it's like, yeah, that's fine. And it, it gives us a nice like emotional moment that humanizes Blade a little bit because he hesitates when he when he's faced with, do I kill my mom? Oh, uh, Josh has more to say. Uh, <laughs> films like Blade and X-Men had a lot to prove in comparison to Spider-Man, which I think helped in allowing Blade to just be a solid film instead of relying on public perception to carry it. That's yeah, fair. for sure. I that's thought fair. I read that out. Sorry, Josh. Um Uh, but yeah, it's um, some things don't quite click sometimes when the film tries to be a bit more dramatic sometimes, but it still makes up a bit in the action scene, which I, you know, is definitely supposed to be much more of the focus. Well, and like I mentioned, I, I think the only dramatic scene that really works for me is Whistler's death. Yeah, because they, they those two have good chemistry, and Snipes plays it in a way. That, like, you can tell he's forcing himself to be stoic. Stoic. I can't speak English. I'm sorry. Uh, but he's obviously in pain over this. But we don't dwell on it. Yeah. Which is good because we don't want too much melodrama in this action heavy movie. Um, if I want melodrama, I'll go watch Buffy. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I like the creative action at, at the uh, climactic battle, um, the way that he has to. The moment I was thinking of. Wait, Blake, what about the serum? Immediately the film like answered me and said, That's where the serum is. And of course he has to creatively, you know, use his actual blade as a means for like, you know, getting the serum into his hands. I do wonder sometimes about why the blade like does the um retractable 
you know, finger trap, like hand trap things sometimes. I'm not quite sure when it's supposed to activate and when it isn't. I think it's a, like a, I think it's just a security thing, right? Like if somebody picks it up, he's not blade. Well, yeah, that's supposed to be the case, but sometimes it isn't because our, because sometimes the doctor uses it and it doesn't get her all the time. Well, but she's not a vampire. Well, initially she did try to use the blade when, when she comes to, and then it activates, but then the train scene, it doesn't. Huh. And another vampire, like, after it, like, takes off uh, the guy's hand, like, later on in the scene, he carries a blade, but he doesn't use it. It doesn't seem quite consistent. So I'm wondering if it's maybe it's a different principle. Maybe it's on a timer or something like that. I'm not sure. It just got a cool down. Jeez, man. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we, we went on, I think, quite a bit about Blade. I, I've pretty much exhausted everything I have to say about the film. Oh. I got one more thing to say. So Stephen Norrington actually portrayed Michael Morbius in this movie. Do you know why we don't see him? Yeah, because it was cut. Yep. So not having Morbius for a while, guys. Sorry. You have to wait until present day for any help for that sort of thing. Well, and you know what really sucks too? Oh, I'm glad you said that because that is the last thing I do want to touch about. I forgot. What sucks is because of the right thing, we're still not going to get Morbius in a Blade film. But... uh I have to admit, after rewatching this, my excitement for the Blade reboot has dropped considerably because I have a bad feeling. I know for one thing, it is not going to be like this. Like no. Marvel is not going to release this movie. I ha- I'm really afraid it is going to be a watered down, just generic. Like I'm action guy. Yeah, we had the thing of like. If I remember, like, Black Panther, especially with a lot of people saying that this was, like, an important moment in movie history of, like, the first black superhero, I kept thinking, what about Wesley Snipes? Because he, this movie had a great impact, I think, on the movie industry, and his presence was important, his performance was important. Are we just going to forget about that? A lot of people have, and it really bothers me, because this movie's better than Black Panther, I'm sorry, but it is. It's more entertaining than Black Panther, I would say. Black Panther has moments. I don't know if it does a whole Black lot Panther has more going on in the script itself. But I think, at least in terms of, like, thematic juxtaposition and all that shit. But if, if you ask me, it, it, being an entertaining film is more important. And Black Panther is the definition of mediocre. This movie is really good. <laughs> That'd be a bit harsh on Black Panther. Point is, we regard this film first. Yeah, feel free to uh, attack me in the comments when after the video. Nah. It's YouTube, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or if you're um, listening after the fact, please feel free to follow me on Twitter at Haven of Horror. Send me all the hate mail you want. I welcome it. I don't we, care. We I don't like Black us. Panther that all that much. Yeah, no press is bad for us. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so yeah, I don't I don't know what to expect of this MCU film because either it's just gonna be like a PG thirteen remake of this film, and they're just gonna do like oh it's Deacon Frost again because I don't I really don't know much about Blade's like comic book villains other than Morbius, and we know it's not gonna be Morbius because Sony is a dick. Um, I just I can't bring myself to get excited about that. Other than I like the actor who's playing Blade. Uh, if you guys haven't seen Luke Cage. 
He's the best part of Luke Cage season one. Hmm. I guess I guess I just I want to hold out hope, like especially when the Netflix series was airing and there was news of a place where we could have gone something with edge to it, like Daredevil. If it had but been on I... Netflix, I would have been ex- interested in that. Immediately more interested. But this is going to be a Marvel movie. Well, like a specifically Disney MCU movie. Which... Well, I mean, it's that or the Sony movies now, so. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, we'll hold that out. Maybe that with the next generation, things might be better. I, I am welcome to be proven wrong. Certainly. Uh, but I don't here. think this. I don't think it's going to be good. I think it's really odd they're doing it in the first place. But it, Marvel, Disney, and Marvel need to uh, use the Fox name to open a studio to release rated R films that aren't part of the MCU. I don't need Blade connected to the greater Marvel universe. I think it makes less sense too, especially if you have like this great underlying threat. Especially when you have a character like Doctor Strange present in the mix, like. Well, to be fair though, that's just like a comic book problem because you know we say Morbius is a is a Blade villain, but really he's a Spider Man villain. Yeah. And you're gonna put Morbius in a Spider Man movie? Probably not. So. Oh, Sony will at some point. They just mm-hmm. they want him to have his solo film first because you know we got to develop that really interesting character. But anyway, that's not about about horror films. All right, uh, Milton, final thoughts and rating of Blade. Final thoughts. um, I would say that if I was in 1998, I would say this film has some good points and some bad points. Overall, it's an entertaining experience, not necessarily a great critical experience. So I can understand some of the mixed reviews at the time of release. Would I still watch it? Absolutely. Would I look forward to the sequel? Definitely. Um, yeah, of course, um, it's definitely, it's definitely sad kind of like looking back at this now to the point of how much potential we lost after the sequel, unfortunately. Oh, well, I think it's like, yeah, because I think this is the first of the like, for superheroes anyway, this is the first third film basically kills the franchise. Yeah. I'll rate this a three out of five, but like a very enjoyable three out of five. Uh, I think this movie's cr- wickedly entertaining. Uh, I know I sounded like a fucking nineties critic there. Uh, this movie has so much going for it. As long as you don't mind a don't think about it movie, because this is very much a don't think about it film. Just yeah. sit back and enjoy the ride. I'm going to give this three and a half out of five. We'll absolutely watch this again. All right, now we gotta now we gotta talk about Underworld now. Oh God! All right, all right, Milton, tell us about Underworld. Underworld is a movie starring Kate Beckinsale. There we go. (laughs) That very much is a movie starring Kate Beckinsale. Beckinsale. It's um yeah the entire idea of it is and just hang on before before you interject because I know that we'll have a lot to interject about. This is a movie with great visuals, great action, somewhat interesting uh, lore to it, a lot of questions that fans can ask, and definitely some very attractive actors. Do you know why this movie fails? 
because why the heck do we want to care about vampires and their politics? They're supposed to be monsters. I don't care that Kate is our main actress. We have no reason to care about vampires. We have no reason to care about werewolves, exactly. All I see as a human are just these two monster races going at it. Why do I feel like I want to empathize with these characters? They're all bad people. I'm, I'm assuming that... What's her name? Um, who does Kate actually play? What's the name of her character? Celine. I'm assuming Celine has probably killed a lot of like innocent people. She's a vampire. Why do I care about this? Why do I care about how Lycans and vampires have been fighting for a while? No one... There's no one to root for in this situation. Um, they're called death dealers, but you could just call them vampires. And you also take a bit of a bite out of the whole vampire versus werewolf thing, especially since a lot of people are just using guns. <laughs> and, the, and there's no, no consistency with how to kill vampires or lichens or whatnot. It just gets to the point where we just wanted like a fantasy sci-fi action movie. And we wanted just to, wanted to end... And we took some elements of Blade with the idea of these werewolves and, you know, vampires being, like, products of a virus. But it's just... It goes into dumb action movie stuff, but it tries to be something more... Unfortunately, it just ends up being pretentious. So, I'm going to agree and disagree with you. I agree with you on everything except for the great action. I think the action in this movie is fucking boring. It's just people standing there shooting guns at people in dog costumes, uh, and vice every versa. So every so often, we get some more physical. But I'm action, also going to disagree with you on Celine. I to a point. I agree in the final script. She's fucking boring because the director just told Kate Beckinsale be as one note as you can. What is on paper is a very interesting character because the only thing that we learn about her by the end. Is it the lead vampire played by the guy from Shaun of the Dead, whose name I can't remember, uh, killed everyone that she loves and then tricked her into thinking the werewolves did it. So oh, you immediately... Oh, sorry, go ahead. So you immediately have a character that is sympathetic because she's in a life that she was tricked into thinking that it was she was getting revenge on the people who killed her family. But to a certain degree, yeah, I can understand that. But the problem is, I would have liked it a bit better if she was maybe showed some reluctance towards killing humans. But we don't deal with a lot of actual humans in this plot, so it's it's hard to see any development of character. And you're talking about that Bill Knight, by the way. That's, yeah, that's yeah. Who's normally he's, great, but I also think he sucks in this movie because I don't know what his character's supposed to be. He's supposed to, he's not expressed enough because he's supposed to be both like a loving father figure who's reluctantly against Celine initially, but then turns out to be a, a betrayal figure. The problem is, is that we don't get a lot of emotional investment in anything because why would we care about anyone in this movie? It, See, I, I think you could easily make me care about Celine because the character on paper is very relatable. She's a person who's just doing her job. Oh, yeah, the elements are there. The problem is... Don't, they don't come into play, unfortunately. The problem is that this movie wants so desperately to be Blade. Because Blade is a very one, one, um, he's not a deep character is what I'm trying to say. He is all action, but he is funny. You want to root for him because he's charming and interesting. The person directing this movie just told Kate Beckinsale, you are tortured woman. 
talk like you have no emotion. Or talk like you're <laughs> you talk like you're just dead inside all the time. That's what I said. Because there's been so much emotion or something like that. I don't know. Um, the point is it just makes her a blank character, unfortunately. We don't and I understand that there are sequels and a prequel and all this shit. I don't care. I'm so tired of this movie. I watched it once and I was like, I'm never watching this again. This is the third time I've seen this fucking movie. I'm sick of it. How'd you get into it the second time? Uh, so one of my friends on Twitch hosts watch parties and I come hang out because I'm a mod. And I no. came and hang out and this was the movie that they picked. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then this was the third time. But anyway. All right. Thanks, Austin. <laughs> what? But he's the one who's he's the one who organized the list. I just copy um, and paste it together. So. It's whatever. Um, but anyway, because so the only motivation that we get for this war is that old vampire man is a racist who hates werewolves and mm-hmm. won't stand by the by his daughter falling in love with a werewolf. And like I said, this is only in this film. I haven't seen the sequels. I don't care. I'll probably have to watch them at some point to review them because I'm a crazy person that started this channel. I didn't realize what I was getting myself into, but it's fine. Um, so he he commits, I don't want to say genocide, but an atrocity? I guess genocide would be fair. It's more or less the extinction of like an entire race is like his idea. And so. kills a whole bunch of werewolves and his own daughter for reasons. Um, the movie tries a, to explain it because he's like a pure blood, like he's an old school guy. Yeah, but the thing is, of course, that the entire idea of the genealogy is there were like essentially three sons coming off of one guy who kind of was like immortal or something like that, but who knows where he is. One son became like host, father of vampires, one father of werewolves, and the others humans that have the trait but aren't either, and I know they brushed all, past all of that in like a line of dialogue. Yeah, something bitten by a bat, someone got bitten by a dog or wolf or something. Um, crazy doctor guy who was. But they give just... us no backstory for this guy or how he got to be this way. He is just racist. I don't. What 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 would it be? Speciesist. Speciesist. He's just xenophobic because the plot requires him to be. Because we have to have a war. Yep. And in the middle of this, everything in this movie is a fucking cliche. So you have the vampire and werewolf war. Sure, whatever. But then you have Celine meets random doctor guy. Which is also just like Blade. <laughs> random doctor guy gets bitten by a werewolf. And then later injected with, and then later by a vampire. So he's a hybrid now. And because the plot wills it, Vampire Lady falls in love with Hybrid Man, and they run away. Yeah. Weird thing also, apparently it took Kate Beckinsale like a second for her to realize that the guy she was with got bit, even though it should have been really obvious from the get-go just after she had to literally pull the guy off of a werewolf. Well, that was also funny because not only is it not just a second, because uh, what happens, if you remember... His blonde vampire lady is like, hey, that guy is bitten. And, and Kate Beckinsale's like, I don't believe you. It's like he was unconscious for like a while, though. You had a time to examine him. But even then, when you were in the car, you saw the blood on his shoulder that wasn't yours. 
So what's going on here? Why are you well, so unobserved? That's and you know, I, I don't know if I can even complain about that because it's consistent with the vampires. Because when Celine figures out the conspiracy, which is also the most typical thing you can imagine, it's mm. the guy that's been a dick to her the whole time actually plotted with the werewolves to make ancient guy think that the vampire the werewolves were extinct because he wants to be ancient controlly guy. Yeah. Uh she goes to ancient guy and he's like, I don't believe you. Everything you sent me was all jumbled. Well there's also the idea of like weird politics of like some of us has to have to sleep at some point even though we're immortal, so what's the freaking point? Why can't we all just be all awake all the time? Why do we have to put up this convoluted thing of we are asleep for a while just to shift power around? I don't get it. Well, okay, so I'm I'm gonna give it that one because I think it might be like it might be that thing that some vampires do when you get to a certain age, you have to rejuvenate your body because it's because if you notice at the beginning of the film when he wakes up, he's in this. I will give the movie props for this. His design when he first wakes up and he's kind of like all rotted and like gray it looks really cool but if you notice once he's woken up and starts to rejuvenate he looks like a normal guy again so it might it also might be something they don't explain in this politics where it's like a balance of power right like i'm in charge for so long and then i will go away so that you can lead i guess i'd just be curious to see what oh you talk about a cliche you have a guy named craven who's a coward. That's that's like a really on the nose kind of thing there. Um, Why don't you uh, go watch the third film, which is a prequel, and let us know what that's about. No, not unless we're doing an episode on it. <laughs> uh, there's really not a whole lot to talk about. I mean, I like some of the action, but of course it is like, let's just show style and slow-mo just for its own sake, which gets a little obnoxious at times, unfortunately. This is, um, this is like if Blade was written by somebody worse than Goyer, which I didn't know was possible with how Hidden Miss Goyer is, after The Matrix came out, and it's like, let's fuse The Matrix with Blade, but we don't know how to write a script, so we're just going to plug in for formula here. Yeah. Um, We get better effects. It's 2003, not 1998. But even then, sometimes we don't. I lost it at the scene where Werewolf Man, Kate's love interest, starts turning, and it like zooms in on what I guess is his arteries. That is that is a little odd. I guess he was just growing extra extra rib bones or something like that. I'm not. Really I couldn't sure. tell what was going on. My favorite thing about that scene, though, is he's the re- he's in the cop car. And I guess the cops are in on it. Either they're they're werewolves or they're working for the werewolves. Something um, like that. I'm surprised that the humans don't have as much presence as they should, honestly, considering there should be a lot of them. But uh, he starts turning and the cop's like, shit, he's not going to make it. I better turn up this generic heavy metal as loud as I can. Oh, yeah, this film is like teenage, like written all over it. Just in like, not just in the soundtrack, but also just in the look and everything. Everything's color corrected to make it look dark and gloomy with dark blues and grays. Which I I dig this movie's color scheme. I just wish that was better written or acted. And and you know you know what? Maybe a sequel would be better. Maybe it's that like first movie we got to get all the shit out of the way. 
And then here's the real story, but like, fuck, I hate this movie. Dude. It's it's definitely not an inspiring take. It doesn't really inspire you to keep going forward. It's just like there's five of these. Yeah, it's or like six. the series or something like that. Whereas like we have these movies to keep like Kate Beckinsale uh, employed or something. Which isn't she like a really good actress? What is she doing shit like this for? I don't know. Um, what is it like? Her husband is like the uh, the director or something like that. Oh, is it yeah. a Resident Evil situation? It, I think it is, yeah. Um, Danny McBride is the uh, is one of the creators of it. What? Like yeah. the Danny McBride? Daniel Flynn McBride. Guy who helped create Halloween 2018. Um, I'm going to look at this IMD just to be sure. They say Danny McBride in the, in the uh, credits. But yeah, if it really is that, then it's um, let's say filmography, film. No, I guess there's two Danny McBrides. There's like there, there's the actor, and then there's the other guy who just happens to have the same name. Hmm. Sorry, filmmaking. He was introduced to. Now, all I know of Danny McBride for is this Danny McBride is from Underworld. Um, I, I don't, I don't get it, dude. Um, but I've heard Kate Beckinsale is. Uh, I think she's married or something. Let me, let me look. Partners Michael Sheen. It's weird with what some of the research goes into, but I'm fairly sure she's in cahoots with, like, personal life or something. Yes. Yeah. Michael Sheen and Kate Beckinsale are married. Huh. That's fascinating, um, because well, the other big, like, horror franchise at the time was, of course, Resident Evil, which is another case of, I'm going to put my wife in it, and she's going to be the main character, and you better like her. Um, but yeah, they got married in 2004 and more or less uh, fell in love on the set of Underworld, just kept doing it. But then, of course, as you know, Hollywood kept doing relationships, it. As like Hollywood relationships go, of course, it doesn't last. So that was a very poor choice of words. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> this is a very poor choice of movie. Yeah. Um. I feel like we spent most of the episode talking about Blade, but I really don't have much else to say about this other than I hate it. There's not a whole lot. It's at least it's not Twilight. Yeah, but I mean that's like that's like that's, kicking a dead body. Yeah. You, 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 there, there's my praise for this film. At least it's not Twilight. Oh man. So I'm going to say I will never watch this again, but it seems somehow keeps managing to find me. Uh, so, but my my official rating is I will never watch this again. I'm going to give it a one star. I don't know if it's that bad. I would say maybe a two out of five, because at least it, at least some of the actors are attractive people. That's where the at one least, star comes in. At least we get guns. 
I give it. I'm giving it a half star for the attractive uh, Kate Beckinsale. She's <laughs> fucking hot. And then another half star for like the look of the film, the cinematography, and all that. But everything else is just like, oh my god, it's mind-numbingly stupid. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a film where you can't really bank on that many themes, so you have to think. So you're just let to think, just to try to keep your attention on it. So there's two things that there's two things with this movie. One, it's too fucking long. This movie does not need to be over two hours long. Yeah. I don't mind a shallow movie. One of my favorite movies of all time is Jason X, and that's just guy in a hockey mask on a spaceship killing people. But at least it's like an hour and a half or so. But it's only an hour and a half, and it's entertaining. There is nothing in this movie that is entertaining. It is just boring people pretending that they're important and being boring. Yeah, uh, yeah that's that's all I've got for this. What about you? I think I might have liked the movie a bit more if it was like an hour and a half. That way the pacing could have been better. And other than that, mm, it's wishful thinking by this point to try to... It's like the Resident Evil movies, essentially. You watch them if you if, if you like Underworld, you will watch Underworld. If you like the sort of thing, you're going to like it. Other than that, uh, we're going to watch uh, better movies. You know, pardon our, <laughs> our high might our highfalutin upturned nose thinking here, but the, the movie doesn't have a lot going for it, unfortunately. Yeah. If you like Bill Nighy, if you like Bill Nighy as a villain, maybe you'll get something out of that too. He's a good He's actor. He's great in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, so we are, we are going to get a little off topic here for just a few minutes because I feel like we barely talked about that and I think I, I want to make these videos at least an hour when it's just us. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you who don't know, we just finished our Resident Evil 7 playthrough. Um, but Milton has been playing Resident Evil 7 in his off, off time. Uh, so I was just wondering, how is your playthrough with Resident Evil 7 been going? I like it. It's um, I'm like halfway through it. I'll get to the DLC and maybe we'll stream some of the DLC we weren't able to get to earlier. Yeah. So in the, in the channel description, if you're watching this on YouTube, I have posted links to our Twitter our, and our Instagram, which are both run by me. You can message us there. We are always taking requests for films. However, we are not going to spin the wheel this this time because we might have a plan for next week, but I don't want to announce it until it's finalized. So follow us on Twitter. Uh, all I will say is that one of the films we might be reviewing is The Witch. So mm-hmm. keep an eye out. The other thing yeah. is on Sundays, about 6 p.m. Eastern, Milton and I would like to get together on Twitch and play games. Uh, this Sunday, we will be playing Resident Evil Village. Mm-hmm. So be sure to follow us there. That link is also in the channel description uh, for anyone who is just listening when I upload this to Anchor, which goes to like Spotify, Google Podcasts, blah, 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 blah. It is twitch.tv slash Haven of Horror. After we finish Village, I want to get back to our Last of Us playthrough because I've been really itching to get back into that game. And obviously Milton has never seen it, so it's almost kind of showing him the game for the first time. Uh, And he's also like, God damn it, I wanted to play Um. Yeah, uh, and then once we finish Last of Us, uh, and I just want to finish that because it's like left unfinished and it's driving me nuts. Um, then we can look at something that you can play, and I can just <laughs> we'll figure something out. Um, but yeah, obviously, I want to. I want you to be more, do more than just sit there and 
No. There it might need fail at video games. Yeah. Um but yeah, guys, Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Don't forget Buffy Season 2. Uh if you're listening to this after the fact on Anchor, we appreciate it. Uh Milton, have you been doing anything else horror related this week? Well, John, eventually we'll get to Hellboy, right? Eventually. With everything up in the air right now, uh, who knows? Um, other than that, I can't think of anything. Uh, right. Oh, uh, I guess I, in some unrelated news, apparently an actor died today. Um, um, you have Frank McRae, dead at 80 today from Last Action Hero and Batteries Not Included. I'm not sure why that's on horror, the circulating horror news bracket, but yeah, it's sad. Resume, sir. Absolutely. Well, guys, I think we are going to call it there. We went about an hour, I think, overall. Obviously, this was kind of a one-sided discussion because because of honestly, Underworld sucks, and there just wasn't much to say. If you're a fan of that movie, all the power to you. I would. I'm glad that you like it. I couldn't stand it. Uh, because this is the third time I've watched it. I'm just done with that fucking movie. Okay, I'm done with it. <laughs> uh, but we'll be back Sunday, 6pm Haven of Horror on Twitch Resident Evil Village, I can't wait I will be playing it on my personal channel as well, Subject 879 on Twitch, I'll be playing that tomorrow if any of you want to stop by, kind of learning the game that way we're not learning it on t- on the the channel, because that's a bitch to edit <laughs> But yeah, guys, check out the Let's Plays for Resident Evil 2, 3, and 7. Eventually, we'll get back to 4 as well. We appreciate you guys for watching. Have a great night.